0: I invite you to turn to the Gospel according to Isaiah. Grabbing a Pew Bible, page 508. The words will be on the screen behind me. And I'm going to invite Cliff. He's going to come on up and read for us. Isaiah 35, verses 1 through 10, which is the whole of chapter 35.
1: The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. They will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will, show be, will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, study the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the ears of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongues shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground will bubbling springs in the haunts where jackals once lay. Grass and reeds and papyrus will grow and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and the ransom of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away.
0: Thank you, Cliff. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for this precious day you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of your grace and your mercy. And as we now dive into your word, would you speak to our hearts? Make us anew today, we pray. Amen. So it was the 20th century composer, songwriter, Joseph Raposo, who wrote these captivating lyrics to this very memorable song. One of these things is not like the others. One of these things doesn't belong. Can you tell which thing is not like the others? By the time I finish my song, anybody grow up with that? Sesame Street yeah Sesame Street this was a children's classic this was this was my life written in 1969 I think it captures both a a simple and yet a also a profound sort of reality on the one hand it is simply the invitation for us to notice to observe to consider shape and size and color and texture on the other hand it profoundly communicates our, our deep need for belonging, our, our deep longing for, for connection with others. And consequently, then, the very real struggle that we experience that comes to us when we, we maybe feel like we don't belong, when we, we could say, feel out of place, a misfit not like the others. And it's interesting because there's this whole industry that is built on that reality, this whole industry that is built on you not feeling like you belong. Right? And so drive this car. Right? Drink this beverage. Buy this product. Much of my childhood I felt somewhat like a misfit. I felt out of place not like the others. That really came home my freshman year of high school when a senior girl approached me noticing my light blue flare jeans. She quickly let me know that that, that wouldn't cut it and that I needed to go out and get some Levi 501s. <laughs> right, My bell bottoms were no, were no more. And I, I knew at that moment I was, I was truly a misfit. Now, all that to say that our text today is like that, in that it is not like the others. In fact, scholars are fairly unanimous that Isaiah 35 doesn't belong. At least least not here. It's, it's, It's not like the others. We could say Isaiah 35 is a word out of place, mostly because it speaks of comfort and joy and peace and hope which are all themes and, and refrains that, that are in Isaiah, but not here. In, in Isaiah 40 through 55, absolutely. But, but not here. Not, not here and not now. 35 is a word out of, out of place. Now the context here is that the people of Israel, the Jewish people, are in exile to the Babylonians. And Babylon and Jerusalem are in a straight line about a little over 500 miles apart. By way of travel, it's much farther. It's a, it's a, it's a significant sort of distance, especially, especially then. Noting between, between Babylon and, and their longed-for homeland is the wilderness. And so we can think dry and dusty and rocky. This is, this is very difficult sort of terrain. It's, it's told that, that the temperatures in the same day, temperatures can go above 100 and drop below freezing. That, that water and food are are difficult to come by that the bandits and and beasts both prowl for unsuspecting travelers it can be a lonely scary place without without help and w- without hope and here the babylonians not only have they conquered the the entire sort of southern kingdom of judah but they have decimated jerusalem they've, they've destroyed the temple And as would happen, the conquering army then relocated many of the citizens. It was a way of suppressing any sort of uprising. And so they've relocated. So there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands that are now in exile. And these opening chapters, 1 through 39, are all about that sort of experience. We can think pain and ache and suffering and despair. We can think of of what might be a, a profound sort of hopelessness. We see it clearly if we jump back to chapter 34, we get a sense here of of, of what is happening, right? Verse 9, we read, Edom's streams will be turned into pitch. Her dust into burning sulfur. Her land will become blazing pitch. It will not be quenched night or day. The smoke will rise forever from generation to generation. It lies desolate. No one will ever pass it again thorns will overturn her citadels nettles and brambles her strongholds but here's what's interesting in the midst of in the midst of all of that we read isaiah 35 right a misfit out of place not like the others and we come to 35 and it reads the the desert and the parched land will be glad like what The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. As author and professor Barbara Lundblad once wrote, she said regarding Isaiah 35, some things even our best scholarship cannot explain. Perhaps the spirit hovered over the text and over the scribes. Put it here. Breathed the spirit before anyone is ready. Interrupt the narrative of despair. So here it is, a word that couldn't wait until it might make more sense. Walter Brueggemann adds to that, Israel's doxologies, right, think praises to God, are characteristically against the data. And for those in exile, right, the data said, you know, a foreign land, 500 miles by way of the wilderness? And yet, yet in the very midst right in the very midst of here interrupts the narrative right here comes 35 the misfit not like the others it's a word out of out of place then and now because there's no doubt we too we too find ourselves at times in the wilderness Noting that according to our text, God does not simply eliminate the wilderness, right? He doesn't, he doesn't remove the wilderness from our, our path. He transforms it, right? There's, there's, there's this word out of place. Again, it says the desert, the parched land glad, the wilderness rejoice and blossom. The crocus, it will burst into bloom, rejoice greatly, shout for joy. It goes on, water will gush forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert, the burning sand will become a pool. Thirsty, ground, bubbling springs. And, and then notice, we read, a highway will be there. Right? Not only does he transform the, the wilderness, right? it says a highway will be there, the way of holiness for those who walk on that way. Right? He also transforms us. In, in, in a sense, God offers us a, a new perspective. Right, then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like the deer and the mute tongue shout for, for joy. And we read of this kind of a transformation. It's all, it's all over the Bible. From Exodus in chapter three, we read that God finds Moses right beyond the wilderness. Right, and what, is, what happens is that He leads Moses then, right, to, to bring the Israelites out from bondage. 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah. Elijah's on the run. In fact, we read that he's fleeing and he flees into the wilderness. There's despair. There's ache. There's, there's suffering. And, and yet God meets him there and he rekindles his spirit and he renews Elijah's purpose. In Luke 2, present in the wilderness of Roman-occupied Judea, right, a baby is, is born. Matthew chapter 4, the Spirit of God leads, leads Jesus into the wilderness. The promise is, is not that we will escape the wilderness, find a, find a garden somewhere else. The promise is, is that the wilderness itself will blossom, right? The joy will burst forth from, from within. Now, I imagine... Some of us here today are, are knee-deep in the wilderness. And yet in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the ache, in the midst of the, of the despair, here comes Isaiah 35. Right, A word out of, out of place. Right, Wh- Whatever your struggle, whatever your challenge, whatever it is that you are, that you are facing... Right, here comes 35, right, speaking comfort and joy and peace and hope. Proclaiming as we read, they will enter Zion with singing, everlasting joy will crown their heads, gladness and joy will overtake them, sorrow and sign will flee away. This is the Advent promise. A word out of place. And so as I, I close, and I want to invite us to sit in some stillness together, I'd invite you to consider what is the wilderness for you? What is the, the wilderness for you? And what, in what wilderness do you find yourself today? Maybe it's grieving the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a conflict with a family member, a a neighbor, a friend. Maybe it's wondering if, if the money will last until months end. Maybe it's just the uncertainty of what tomorrow will bring, whatever it is, the promise of Advent is not that we escape the wilderness, not that we, we find a garden somewhere else, but that God comes to us in the midst of and He speaks a word out of place. So what is, is the wilderness for you? And then with that, how is God inviting you to live the promise of a new perspective? To live into the promise of a new perspective, right? Not only does God transform the wilderness, God also transforms us. He gives us a, a new perspective. Maybe maybe like Moses, it's it's a freedom from bondage. Maybe, maybe like Elijah, it's a rekindled spirit or a, a renewed sort of purpose. Maybe, maybe it's comfort, joy, peace. Maybe, maybe it's hope. Not in spite of the wilderness, but even in the midst of it, right? In inviting us to embrace this sort of new perspective. What would it look like for me to live the promise of a new perspective? even or maybe especially when it, it doesn't seem to fit, when it's out of place, when it's not like the, the others. And then with that, to also maybe consider today who in your life is in need of a word out of place. Today, this week, this, this season, who in your life is in need of a word out of place? Right, a, a word of, of comfort, a word of joy, of peace, a word of hope. Maybe, maybe it's not even a word. Maybe it's not a spoken word. Maybe it's a, it's a kind gesture. Maybe it's a, a, a touch of love. Maybe it's a listening ear. A helping hand, right? Whatever it is, it, refusing to wait. Refusing to to wait. A word out of place. Who in your life is in in need of a word out of place? And how might you offer a word to that one? To offer a word that, that that refuses to wait until it makes sense. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom it will rejoice greatly and shout for joy.